Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the House of Apis podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Mila. And for today's episode, we're going to explore the topic of women choosing to not have children, a decision that pushes against norms of the role women have been placed in traditionally, a decision that is very personal and often to the great disappointment of those that surround the individual and couples making the choice, a decision that is judged and too often perceived as selfish, wasteful, and one that will be regretted down the road in a woman's life but yet a decision that is becoming more and more common and bringing those of us that make this choice together in support and solidarity. This is just one topic of many that we'll explore on this podcast when it comes to women and motherhood. We recognize that there are many women who very much wish to have and raise their own children who are not able to, and women who have chosen to be mothers and take on the very important and tough role of raising children, and others who choose to be mothers and in hindsight, may have wished they had chosen otherwise. We will explore all of these journeys and realities over time. But for today, we're going to start with a topic that we connect to most personally. And that is the choice to not have children and opt out of the role of mom. So joining us today, we've invited two guests who have also made this life choice. All four of us have come to a similar decision, but came to it through different journeys and for different reasons. We'll all share those in just a little bit, but first we'd like to quick introduce our guests. The first guest is Laura O'Connor, who is a new friend to the House of Apis. I connected to Laura through a group that we're both part of on Facebook when I had seen a post, an article she had shared on this topic. I I reached out right away when she posted it uh, and said we'd love to have her on the podcast. And thankfully, she agreed to join us. And we're so grateful she's with us today. So, Laura, will you please say hello to the audience and share uh, a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah. Hi, everybody. First, thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. Again, I'm Laura. I am a 42-year-old child-free Sagittarius woman living in the United States in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was born and raised in conservative Virginia and spent 16 years in DC before relocating here about four and a half years ago with my husband, Dominic. A little bit more about me. We have a dog named Harriet. I have a brother who lives in New Orleans with two adorable daughters who are my nieces. And then I have my parents who live in Virginia. I love to travel, practice yoga and do anything outside. I absolutely love the outdoors even in these Michigan winters. Nice. Hey, the colder, the better. Awesome. Thank Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for sharing. And we're happy to have you. Our second guest is Genevieve Hosamsoy. She's a very good friend to both of us. We all met in Amsterdam during the same program that Katie and I first connected. She was part of our Power of Six, a group of women that are passionate about investing and celebrating women, and the group that helped inspire Katie and I to create House of Apis. Genevieve, welcome and take a moment to introduce yourself, please. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for having me and for giving me this first opportunity to be on air. Very excited <laughs> to be here. Yeah, so my name is Genevieve. I'm 40 years old and I live in, uh, in Amsterdam, close by Mila, with my husband, Joris, and uh, we do not have children. We do take care of our little nephew once a week. His name is Lucas and he's 16 months old and he brings us great joy. We like to spend our time with friends and family and as soon as we can, we will travel again. Moreover, I love eating, connecting and really just celebrating life through food basically is my joy. 
thank you so much to both of you. We are so excited to have you join us for this discussion. We both know what a personal decision this is and oftentimes not an easy decision. And we're honored for you to come on the podcast and share your journeys with us. So before we dive into our own experiences, let's set some context to this topic. In a CNN article titled, Why More Women Are Deciding to Not Have Kids, they share that in the U.S. since 2007, the birth rate has been declining by 2% each year on average. And despite the speculation of a pandemic baby boom, the decline was actually accelerated to a 4% decline. And this decline is not unique to the U.S. According to the World Economic Forum, many countries' birth rates are declining, including China, Japan, India, Russia, Brazil, Bangladesh, and Indonesia, drawing a concern that the replacement rate for the populations in these countries is dipping below the rate needed for a country to naturally replace its population. Now, by the way, a concern could be debated in many different ways, depending on the topic you want to connect to, such as poverty rates and climate change and talent marketplace and how population impacts them. But we're not going there on this podcast, uh, but just a case in point. So, so why is this happening? What are some of the reasons that the birth rate is dropping and more and more people are choosing to have less children or none at all? According to the World Economic Forum article, the more recent drop is due to impacts of covid whether that be concerns about financial security, border closures, and the death toll itself. But a bigger force, in their opinion, has been urbanization. What they share is that the largest migration in human history has happened over the last century, and it continues today as people move from the country to the city. Moving to the city changes the life of women, exposing them to a different version of life than their mothers and grandmothers who live in the country. Women are much more likely to have an education and a career, as well as easier access to contraception. Lower birth rates are the inevitable result. But let's bring it down to an even more personal level. The earlier CNN article mentioned shares three reasons that are driving the decision by women and their partners to not have children. The first one is, they say, that they don't want the responsibility. There are very personal reasons behind this, but at the crux Taking on the responsibility and the impact financially, emotionally, and as a lifestyle is not what some people want to do. They also fear the lack of support, either the lack of family-friendly policies, especially in the U.S., but also in other areas, and the costs associated with raising a child, like child care, education, medical, etc., along with the imbalance of expectations on the mother to be the primary child care provider, are all contributors to women making this choice. Third one is that they like their life how it is. People are finding fulfillment in many other ways. And the idea of raising a child just to feel complete is a fallacy that many are pushing back on. One thing is for sure, more and more women are coming forward and confidently living their truth and making a choice that is right for them and their partners, not what society says they should do. So let's pause here for just a moment. This is probably a good point for the four of us to speak our truth and share a bit about our own personal journeys in regard to this decision. And perhaps some of those reasons that Mila just shared are part of why we made our choices and resonate, or maybe there's some additional reasons that we can add through our stories. Laura, I'm going to put you on the spot to get us started. If you don't mind maybe sharing your story and how you came to the decision that, that you came to. Yeah. So I think first, when you read through those stats, aside from the real fact that some women can't have kids or that there's real fear and lack of support, I do think it's really exciting to see birth rates going down 
because to me that shows us that women now have a choice yeah. where mo- before maybe they didn't. And for me, I've always looked at it as a choice, which I think is a little bit unique, especially because I grew up in a very conservative traditional area where I only knew moms. I only knew moms that stayed at home primarily growing up. And then as I got older, it was always the expectation that you were just going to grow up and be a mom. And the question Mm -hmm. was always how many kids you were going to have, not do you want kids? Um, And then just as I moved through my 20s, again, it was always in the back of my head of do I even want kids? For me, it was a very lonely and personal choice and a thought process going through my head that I didn't speak aloud or articulate to many people at all, because I was really ashamed of the fact that I didn't want them again, because it just seemed like everybody around me wanted them was having them. And I just felt like a total outsider. So yeah, I spent my twenties. That's when my friends, again, being like from the South, people just got married earlier than they tend to do in bigger cities. They started having babies earlier and I was always going to baby showers or going to meet my friend's babies and really wanting to feel like that pang of jealousy or that pang of like baby fever or whatever people call it. And I just, I never felt that. And all through my twenties, when I dated, I would always skirt the topic or I would just give a lukewarm answer. I'm not sure yet. Or I'd make a joke about it, but I think I always knew I just, I didn't want them. And it really wasn't until my late thirties, early forties, like even within the past couple of years that I was comfortable sharing that out loud outside of my close friends and family. Like my husband and I got together in 2005 and it was a conversation we had very early on because I knew he was the one and I knew it was important to have that conversation from the start. So we did, and he was on the same page. And throughout the years, we've checked in with each other to see, are we still feeling this way? Luckily, because um, I know that's not always the case in marriages, but neither one of us had has changed our mind. And I feel yeah. like pretty firmly to me, I always said, if I start to feel some kind of void in my life and think kids could fill that void, then like, maybe that's the time to discuss having biological children or through adoption, foster And I've just, I've honestly never felt that void. I love my life. I feel like it's very rich and big and I don't know, kids has never been a thing that I thought could complete it. It is an interesting thing because societally it is assumed or the assumption is that children's children are the next step. It makes an interesting dating conversation, right? Like what is the timing (laughs) of having this dialogue? I had as something similar that I'll share in my story, but it does add a nuance that's, you feel like I need to have this sooner than later, but it's not, we're not there yet, but I feel like I need to say that before we're there. (laughs) Mila, what about you? Thank you, Laura, by the way. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. For me, I think that it's a different situation in the sense that I'm not, I don't have a partner at this moment, or I did have partners, but I, I never got married. And, and I think that I had this idea that if I'm going to have kids, I will have it with a partner. And for me, growing up in Venezuela is very much an expectation. You are obviously going to have kids and family is a big thing. And then you are supposed to have kids as soon as you can. So I have four cousins that are older than me. And I was the first one that graduated high school. And I graduated high school at 15. 
So I was pretty like pretty early studying and doing stuff. I went to medical school. I dropped out of medical school, but I went to another to uh, university. So I was always like pushing myself in the studies area. So I wanted to have a career, and and then for me. It was not a priority to have kids, although I always thought, yeah, I'm going to have kids. It was that, like the expectations. I never was against it, but I never had this journey of being a mother. And, and then probably if I would have found the one, I would have probably had kids. But it's not something that I am sad that it never happened or that mm-hmm. I didn't. I, there was a moment that I thought maybe I can have kids on my own. And that I thought when I was already like, 35 or so. And I thought about it because of these expectations that I always had. And I even had friends say, you are not, uh, because I said, maybe I can foster, I can adopt. They said, no, you have a uterus, you should use it. And I'm like, okay. These type of conversations, people just put it out there. And I was like, you know what? I have a great life. And I wouldn't have the life that I have if I would have a kid on my own also. And it was something that I don't really feel that I needed for myself. It was more like box to tick, which is sounds pathetic, but that is the way that somehow I was being pushed on that way. And then I was like 36, 37. And I'm like, "Eh, no, I already have my life in such a way. And financially, yes, maybe I could have done it, but it was like, no, there was no interest. You tap on that last item that there's other ways to have a full life than to have children. Yeah. And that, that, that disbelief that life can be complete without that, that that aspect to your world. Yeah. yeah. And I have, I have uh, four nephews and one niece and I adore them. And then it's great to have fun with them. So (laughs) I I get to be the fun aunt and, (laughs) and that's cool for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How is yeah, your journey? So many, yeah. There's so many things that resonate with me and I'll end with the fun end, but I also the, the selflessness or the, the shame that Laura addressed and the expectations that we're all talking about. So let me start just, I've always thought that I would be a mom someday as I did so many other expectations of my parents and my family. I'm originally from Suriname. We are supposed to have babies at a certain age because that's the life's goal. So when I was 10 and I was at the back then still Twin Towers, I realized I wanted to become a business lady in a suit with her uh, heels in her bag, traveling the world. So that was always the image that I had later on, I would be a grown woman. So I always, I always pushed the idea of becoming a mom to later on in life. Yeah. And I remember looking at my mom thinking she made such a sacrifice to stop working for and to take care of me and my brother when we were two until my age of, I think, 10. And how she came back professionally up until this day. And she's 67 almost now. Yeah. And I really always praise her for being so extremely selfless. Is that, yeah, that's yeah. a proper word in English? Yeah. yeah. For just, so, you know, like putting all her professional ambitions to the side to take care of me and my brother. So I, I think somewhere deep down, I've always known that being a, being or becoming a parent would be something later on in life. And then when me and Yoris met, we were already, we had already been in relationships and we were a bit older, still in the child conceiving age. But we made an agreement from the moment that we met saying that if anything medical is ever required, to, to have a baby, we were not going to do it be, because we didn't want to put that strain on our relationship. And then when later on, 
when time progressed and we found out that it wouldn't necessarily walk in the park, we directly went back to that agreement that we made. And we checked in with each other, just like Laura said, from time to time, checking in, how are we feeling? Are we still going to do this? Because also at the same time, I've seen so many friends going through struggles of the medical procedures that are required to have children and some haven't. And the sadness and the pressure on their relationships is devastating to see, to watch from the sideline. Then we started talking about, okay, but what happens if we do not have children? Or are we going to break our own agreement and go through it? And what shall we do? And then I was scared. I absolutely felt terrified. And then Joris always said, but our relationship is our most important thing. I don't want to put us through that strain. And I love him every day for it. It's not worth the sacrifice in that sense. And then luckily our nephew came into our lives and we take care of him once a week, like I said, and we're we are all expecting number two to uh, he's due in uh, February. But it's so funny because my sister-in-law, she says that this works for our family. And Yolas refers to Lucas as our proxy child. And so what we now have this cocoon of safety of our little extended family, which works completely fine for us. But now we still have to deal with the outside world asking us why this works for us if we would not have wanted to have our children of our own, whereas Lucas feels, I think, as closely of our own as possible, probably. And maybe we are our time ahead, whereas now it's not that much a deal of when people buy things, but people have it as a service. Maybe we have like our baby as a service one day a week, or he has like extra parents, I don't know. But it works for us. And we don't feel the loneliness when we are together. We don't feel the loneliness when we are with Joris's brother and his wife and Lucas. We feel complete. And we also feel that we can explain to the outside world that this works for us. Yeah. yeah. And I also cheer my friends on who have diff- who make different choices. I support them and I cheer on cheer them on. But for us, this works. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And absolutely to what you just said, we're going to talk about some assumptions that the world makes on those of us that have chosen to not have children and how we think about kids. So I, I think that you just shared something that'll lean into that as well. But but yeah, your story, you found what works right and is right for you and your husband. So for me, I so I'm going to start with my husband always says that I have, what is it, anti-authority <laughs> disorder. I push back on whatever the world is telling me I should do. So I I knew in high school, I did not want to have kids. I knew it was not my thing. And I don't know if part of that is because the world was telling me that was what I was supposed to do. So I said, no, you're not the boss of me. I'm going to make my own decisions. But the thing I knew is I hated babysitting. I hated it. I hated it with every fiber mm. of my body. And I do, I like kids, but I, I hated babysitting. I just couldn't wait for it to end. And for me, I was like, man, if I really wanted to have kids, shouldn't I really enjoy doing that? So to me, that was kind of my first signal. And I just, there was so much in the world that I wanted to conquer and accomplish before I was, as I was making my choices about college and, and all of that. And never did the idea of being a mom and having children, it never surfaced in any of my vision boards or anything that I did about who I was going to be when I grew up. And so I've just never, I've just never looked back, but I will to, to the comment I was making on Laura's story. It did just make, 
it made some interesting situations when I was in serious relationships, because I recall one person in, in particular, we were together for quite a while. I don't believe we were actually destined to spend our lives together, but we had a really good relationship, but he wanted kids. Like he loved kids. He wanted kids. And I, it was just one of those, when it, when the relationship was waning, it was one of those things of, I think this is the right thing for us to do because you clearly want children and I don't. So why are we going to put more energy into this when we're going to have that argument in a couple of years as well too? And it's not fair to you and it's not fair to me. So it does add those nuances um, from that aspect. My husband, when I met him, we had only been dating for two weeks and we, we got married in our late thirties. I said, I just got to tell you right now, cause we're at an age that if you want kids, like there's no time to be wasting on a two-year relationship that doesn't go there. So I just want to tell you, I have no intention to have children. If that's your thing, then we should just shake hands, be friends and move on. But if you don't want kids, then let's see where this goes. And he had been a teacher for a while. He's like, I've raised other people's kids. I'm good. And so <laughs> it's worked, but I did for a while. I was like, I think I could end up being a solo for, you know, for my life, because I may not find a partner that doesn't want to have kids. And so it does add nuances from there, but I've always known. And as this audience knows, my brother passed away when he was younger. So I don't have the opportunity to be an aunt from that perspective. And my parents, we had to have the conversation about you're not going to have grandchildren. So are we, how are we with that? And they were super supportive. Um, my brother-in-law has children, but we just never get to see them. But at some point in time, I might be able to enlist in the fun aunt. I do that for my friend's kids. I'm the surrogate fun aunt from that perspective. <laughs> but anyway, so, so that's our four stories. And thank you for Genevieve and Laura for sharing yours. Mila and I, we have to, it's our podcast. So we, have to. we share a lot. We share a lot. <laughs> so I guess that this is a moment for our compelling question of this episode. Yes. So each episode we put out a compelling question for all of us to respond to. And then we also share it with the community to get their reactions through our social media channels and at the Hive, the House of Apis online community. For this episode's compelling question, we're putting out one that is often asked to individuals without children. And it is, who will take care of you when you are older? <laughs> I'm sure all four of us have thought about this question or have been asked this question at some point or another. So who wants to start? <laughs> this is Laura. I can start because I get this question a lot. And... First of all, I think it's a very ignorant question yeah. because who's to say that if you have children, your children are going to take care of you in old age. It's a bet, so, right? Mm -hmm. It's a gamble. <laughs> yeah. That's my biggest beef with it is like, there's just so many things that can happen throughout a lifetime that will mean your kids won't be there in the end. So I think it's very ignorant. I also think this is my biggest fear. Like my biggest fear is dying alone. And I think a lot of people could say something similar. So I feel like if somebody wants to hit me where it counts, ask me this question. But I have thought about it. And when I've thought about, do I want kids or not? This rose to the top. It's like pretty much the only reason I would have them, which is, you know, completely unfair. I would never actually do that just so somebody may take care of me when I'm older. But I approach it in a couple ways of financial security. I, I'm a saver. I know that 
I'm going to need some money to have good health care and just good living conditions when I'm older. Unfortunately, in the US, healthcare is a privilege. So I know it's not something I'm just going to fall into and I need to like work to have it. Also, I joke, but it is serious. Like I do believe in karma. And I do a lot of the good in the world right now. I'm a volunteer and I give back to nonprofits financially. And I work for a social change communications firm that helps nonprofits. So I'm just expecting that the universe is going to give that back to me when I need it the most, which will probably be when I'm older. And I also joke, I'm just going to have some like hot beachside staff to just take care of me. It might be a pipe dream, but that's where my head goes. But yeah, I think if you're a parent or a non-parent, like this question applies. But unfortunately, like we as child-free women just get this asked a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get this. You know, it's interesting somehow because my closest group of friends, we've been we've been really good friends for 20-something years. And none of us had kids. So by choice. I don't know if we just could smell that on each other early on or whatever it was, but somehow we gravitated to each other. And my um, parents came to our house for uh, Christmas, I want to say five, six years ago. And all those friends were there for brunch for New Year's Day. And my dad just looked at me and he said, you have a family that's going to take care of you when you're older. This is a family. And it's funny because I always felt like that group of folks was a family, but it was interesting to see my dad. It was almost like my dad had been worrying about it and had this conclusion himself. But so there's a book I just read that it's like the people you keep or the people we keep or something like that. For those of you listening, I will go correct myself and I'll put it in the notes. But in essence, it's this young girl's journey to discover that really family is the individuals that that create that experience of family, not necessarily the ones that are by blood. So for me, I feel like there's a group of us that are going to take care of each other. Mila has met some of them. So Mila is a is an honorary member of that group as well. Um, <laughs> you all are welcome to join if you would want to as well, too. We can all create this syndicate of non-children people who are going to help take care of each other when we're older. But I'm not, I'm not worried. I feel like I've got enough people. And if I'm the, if I'm the last woman standing, then I'll know that I help take care of them. And to your point, Laura, hopefully I've saved enough money to hire some really lovely people that will take care of me (laughs) on my last days. But, but I don't, I'm not stressed about it yet, but I'm not stressed about it. But I also think I would be stressed about it if I had kids as well, too. So I I love your dad's perspective though. Yeah. Yeah. I, obviously I also get asked that question a lot and I, actually always said to Joris, if one day I die, I don't want you to be standing there all by yourself by that coffin. I told him that so often. So it's somewhere deep down inside of me as well. And then he always says, but no, baby, you're going to outlive me. So that's, and you have so many (laughs) friends, so that's dealt with. And then now sometimes we say the babies will be there. But honestly, I've always felt the same way that you two did. I just make sure that there is like enough financial resources, but also friends who are going to be there to take care of me. And another thing, I have many gay friends also. So in a sense, I'm also used to having people around me who are also not necessarily only having children. So for some reason, I have faith that we'll be fine. Sometimes when we feel like, when we feel bad about it, 
we say, hey, we might actually die together, like Romeo and Juliet. Did they actually die together? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or going to be one of those couples who just say, okay, let's just call it quits and end it here. And uh, yeah, so I, I do get that question a lot, but hey, we'll cross the bridge when we get there. Yeah. And yeah. if push comes to shove, I'll arrange a date for that funeral, either for myself or for him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I like what... It- what you say, but also what Laura mentioned about the good karma. I think that as you have been there for people, somebody that falls down on the street and then you help them stand up or a woman that is crying out in the bathroom because of something in a restaurant and then you help her or whatever. I think I I believe in this good karma and also not only from the people that you know, but the people that the strangers, somebody that could have a kind heart and just be there at the moment that you are maybe lonely. And there are so many stories that have come now with COVID with the doctors and nurses that have been in these hospitals when people are very sick and they cannot see anybody because of everything. So there are so many stories of the kindness of people and the compassion. There are two things. One is, okay, I don't want to die alone. And then the other thing is, I don't want to be alone when I'm old. And, and I see here in the Netherlands, I see that there are so many groups of women that are just walking around and they have a yoga class or a salsa class and they go all together. I think that th- there is always going to be somebody. At the same time, in my case, I always think at the end of the day, I also have my family. So if I need something and I also have my family, my brothers and my nephews and my niece that... At the end of the day, I know that they are going to be looking towards me and saying, okay, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? Are you lonely? Do you need X, Y, and Z? And, but I think going back to the first point, it doesn't guarantee that you are not going to be alone when you're old if you have kids. Think about also when your parents are looking to us now and then they are saying, oh, I don't want you to worry about me or this kind yeah. of thing. So that the parents have also other type of worries at the same time. So it's not, nothing is a guarantee, right? You just have to do the best with what you And as I always say, I can entertain myself for hours. So I'm not actually <laughs> I've just turned on my music and twirl. And yes, I will be twirling in my 80s and 90s and maybe into my 100. All right. Thank you for tackling this week's compelling question. The, the message to the universe is don't worry about us. We got it figured out. We'll navigate it as it comes. But this question is actually a really good segue into our next conversation. So let's talk about assumptions, expectations, judgment, whatever you want to call it. Well-intentioned questions or statements, perhaps. Maybe we can call it that. To explore this, maybe we can tackle a few questions and react to some comments. So To kick this off, I'm actually going to take us back to 2015, and I don't know if anybody remembers this, um, but Pope Francis spoke in St. Peter's Square and said, a society with a greedy generation that doesn't want to surround itself with children, that considers them above all worrisome, a weight, a risk, is a depressed society. The choice to not have children is selfish. Life rejuvenates and acquires energy when it multiplies. It is enriched, not impoverished. So let's tackle the first assumption. Choosing to not have children is a selfish and self-centered decision. How dare we be so selfish? So I definitely have a response to this, but I don't know if anybody else wants to chime in on kind of that. I've heard it. I hear it and I sometimes hear it just flat out. Well, it's just kind of selfish. And I also hear it in nicely packaged. Well, so 
you know, you didn't want to have kids. You couldn't carve out time to have kids. What's the thing? My reaction is it's none of your business <laughs> why I chose to not have children. And I will say that, yes, a little bit of it is I'm not going to call it selfish. I understood what the responsibility of children entailed and the time and the financial commitment that took and that how that would shape my life. That was not how I wanted to live my life. So it's not about being selfish for me. It's about that choice did not fit in the vision of what my life and how I wanted to live my life was. It actually would have been more selfish to have had the children. And I guarantee you, if I had kids, they would have felt like they were lesser than other things I wanted to do in my life. Like there, you can just read those signals and they wouldn't have been the most important thing in my life. So why would I bring children into that circumstance and that environment? Because it's not the priority that I wanted to have on my journey. I actually think it would have been more selfish for me to have them knowing how much I didn't really want them as part of my world as far as being a parent or a mother. But you all might react to that a bit differently. I felt all sorts of things when you read that. But the first question that comes to my mind is selfish to whom or to what? Yeah. yeah. Are yeah. we all born just to reproduce? <laughs> and then deciding not to choose to, we are being selfish in respect to the greater goal. That's a question that fascinates me. Wow. Yeah, and also, why didn't he uh, reproduce then? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's, he's been called to a higher order. <laughs> I, had, I had never heard this until you read it. And like, I too, I have a lot of feelings about it. I think if I'm going to nitpick his quote, he says a couple things that make sense. What is this? A greedy generation is a depressed society. That's true. Sure. But does that mean to not be greedy? you have to reproduce. I, again, I just think it's an ignorant statement. But and I, you need more stuff when you reproduce. On already notion, tapped resources, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> This whole notion of being selfish or self-centered when it, the way people talk about women being self-centered or selfish, I think is completely unfair. Like you're going to tell a woman that if she does not want to give up a life she dreams for herself that does not include kids, but again, is like a fulfilling life for her, then she's selfish. It just makes no sense to me. I think that women are, especially child-free women, are often called selfish. Like you, Katie, I hear this all the time. Sometimes it's in a pretty package. Sometimes yep. it's very direct. Yep. But it's okay. Maybe the decision is a little self-centered to how I want to live my life, but what's wrong with that? Like, why are we as women taught that we have to make these decisions that ultimately sacrifice our own happiness for what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to just have more children in the world. Like, I don't yeah, know. No. I like on a fundamental level, I just don't agree with this statement by the Pope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the, the other thing that comes to my mind is, so if choosing to ha not have children is selfish, does it mean that by choosing to have children, you're being generous? And let's remark to the audience that I'm moving my head in disbelief. He looks baffled <laughs> and dismayed. <laughs> yeah, because what is it? I don't understand. So choosing to, are you being generous to what? To society, to the world, because you are gifting them children? 
No well, way. That's why I, I think G's questions, right? What are we, what, what is the litmus to this? Like, why are, what are we measuring this response to? It's just, I know, I think we're all sitting here shaking our heads going, uh, yeah, okay. And Lauren, I think all of us actually get, we, so I would not have the time to do what I do for other organizations if I had children. Now, I know there are women that do that. I honestly don't know how you do it. Like, I really don't because I don't have kids and I don't have enough time in my day. So I fundamentally don't. I will have a podcast on that, on how mothers seem to find time to do all the amazing and plethora of things that they do. But I wouldn't have the time to invest. Uh, I wouldn't have the time to do House of Apis, which is our intention is to invest in women and girls. I wouldn't have the time to be on the board for an organization that's about stopping child sex trafficking, right? There's these other things I couldn't do if I was filling my world from that perspective. So I, that's where I'm like selfish. I'm just giving out that time in a different way to people that didn't come from me. <laughs> I just, it's baffling. All right. We're going to keep, we're not going to solve this one on this podcast, no, 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 but no. just thought we'd react to that. Mila. Yeah. So there was also an article on Mick.com called eight questions. We need to stop asking women who don't want kids. Let's explore some of these questions because they are loaded with assumptions, expectations, judgment, and well-intentioned concern. Uh, let's see one that is an easy one. Don't you like kids? <laughs> you must not like kids because you didn't have them. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. You know, hey, I'm gonna actually be wrong. <laughs> doesn't mean that you don't like them. Yeah. 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 Laura, and I've actually been asked this. I've been asked this question of why do you hate kids? Ah. Um, I, I think any of these questions, like the, the selfish one from the Pope, like, I used to be so offended by these ridiculous questions that people ask, these eight ones that we'll talk about. But then I tried to flip my perspective of like, why are people asking me that? And I think a lot of the questions that I'm ever asked are really judgmental. And like you said, like just are loaded with assumptions. And I just try to remember that people who ask you questions in judgmental ways, that's coming from a place of their own insecurities. And so it's more about them and not necessarily me. I wonder if they look at me and it's you're living life in this way. That's not the norm. Tell me more about that. And it just comes out wrong. So I'm giving the people a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. But yeah, this one, don't you like kids? I've built an entire career off working for children's health and education I love my two nieces. I have a goddaughter. I'm like part of my friend's kids' lives. I'm like, how could that possibly be a question that you ask of me? But yeah, again, unfortunately, one that I do. And I think that is great. And this is your truth. And I also like kids, but that doesn't mean that I have to have them. But the other thing is there might be some women or some couples that they don't like it. And that is is okay. And that is okay. That's the other thing. Even if you ask that question, then be prepared to the for the answer. Yeah. There might be some people that say, yeah, no, I really don't like kids. Kids aren't my jam. I will tell yeah. you, do not try and hand me your baby. I just, I don't know what to do with babies. I don't know what to do with them. I don't think they're cute. I don't think they smell good. I don't like, I don't get it. I don't get it, but I totally respect it and appreciate it. And I'm very grateful that there are people out there who do love it. <laughs> 
but I, it's not throw me your kids when they can kick a soccer ball and then I'm all in. But, and so you'll, people will see me make a reaction and I'm like, no, I'm super happy for you. But if I were you, I would not want to put your baby in my hands. I don't know what to do with them and I'm going to break it. Like I I definitely got a break to Mila, to your point, I can be honest with you. There's certain vacations I go on. And if I find myself in a pod of families and kids, it's not the environment, but I go and I am thoughtful and strategic about that. When I book things, I'm not going to book things at a family friendly resort. If I'm looking for a quiet getaway. And it has nothing to do about whether I love or hate children. It's about the environment that I'm looking to be in, but (laughs) yeah, of course. The, the one that I like, uh, and I've been asked it numerous times and not so much anymore. Cause now people are probably like, she done clock is done, but the, oh, you might regret this when you're older and you can't have them anymore. Yeah. You should probably think about it. Clock's ticking ladies. Yeah. 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 yeah I also like now that I'm 42, I don't get that one. I haven't gotten that one in a couple of years, but used to get it all the time. I always think I'd rather have the regret like 30 years from now and figure out what to do about it than jump into such a life-changing decision that I know isn't right for me and just hope I change my mind in the course of their life. But yeah, yeah like another very popular question that comes my way. It is like buying something and then getting an extra just in case this one breaks. That's just not how the world works, right? It's not like you just get a child in case, assuming that you can just have a child but it's not let's become a parent because you might get bored somewhere along the line kind of ridiculousness is that i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's the on top of that this one's not on the list but on top of that one i would always get but you and mark would make such great parents parents i'm like no we wouldn't no we totally would not we'll make very good aunt and uncles but we would not make great parents i don't know yeah you know it's interesting with these this just says something about the people who are looking at you. So I am, I, I recently had a discussion like that and I just knew that it was about the person saying it, that she was just wishing her joy upon me. Yes, I would, I'm okay with having the joy. I'm just not okay with having all the sorrow and the, I, no, I'm just not going to go for this equation. It's just not mine. Mine. Yeah, it's not as simple. It's not as simple as that. Mila, I'm intrigued, though, both of these scenarios as someone who is single, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, I'm guessing you get these and you also get these weighted with when are you gonna get married? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I guess not anymore. I guess that people see me now and they say, Oh, my God, she's uh, done. Uh, she's never going to have a partner or or be married. And I think that for me, it is not, they don't look at me like it's, I'm selfish. They look at me with pity. Mm. So people look at me like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm not fulfilled because I don't, I'm not married and I don't have a, a kid. They, people don't understand my life. Yeah. Uh, how come you are not married? You know, how come you don't have a kid? And, and sometimes they say, oh, yeah, I'm focusing too much on my work. But then they also don't see anything else. And then the fact that uh, I had this relationship or this other relationship, people just want to know. And why didn't that work out? And why didn't you get married? And, and I think that the, mo- the most important thing for people is that they have to put you in a bucket where they can relate yeah. to you yeah. and they can understand who you are and how do you, how can they relate to you? And since they don't find that bucket for me, they are like, okay, where do I put her? Do I put her in the spinster or do I put her in the 
fun aunt or do I put her into the professional career woman? And, and people don't understand that. And, yeah. and women tend to look at me, especially older women, uh, tend to look at me like, like I failed somehow, mm. especially mm. On, on my, uh, women from my culture, I would say. So yeah. it is very difficult. It's unfortunate because I just feel like so many of these questions, it's a slap in the face to any sort of just women supporting women and supporting each other's decisions. And yeah, it would be an interesting exercise if the coin was flipped here. So I remember I asked a very good friend of mine why she wanted kids. And this was like five or six years ago. She paused and she said, that's interesting. I've never been asked that question. Mm, And I thought, that's interesting. You've never been asked like, a question about such an important life-changing decision, but yet I'm asked that question weekly in the reverse. She gave me a great answer of why she wanted kids. And then I explained to her why I did not. But anyway, it was just like an interesting anecdote for me that I was the first one. And I think she was 35 years old at the time. I was the first one who had ever asked her why she wanted children. Yeah. Yeah. And then making the choice to have children. Then I think about the folks that choose to only have one. Oh, now they're growing up lonely and it, right. There's always something. It, it doesn't matter it what you win. choose. Yeah. <laughs> Three's too many. One's too few. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on this list, Mila, that you found that we should tackle? I think what is important here is does your partner have a problem with that? And I think you guys talk about how your partners were, were supportive to the situation. And actually you also had the same feeling, right? The same thought. But I wonder why gives the right to someone to ask me with a relationship, whether my partner was okay with that. That is something with my relationship. People outside of the relationship shouldn't be asking, does the partner have a, does your partner have a problem with that? It's it's a little bit too much insisting, right? Or an assumption that I've imposed a choice on my partner because they can't, in my case, my partner can't bear children. And I think when I've asked, when I have been asked that, because I have most certainly been asked that it has often been, right. Mark was okay with that. And it's the conversation of, yeah, we had that conversation before we ever got married. Like we -hmm. knew this is something that's important to people. So as individuals who cared about each other, we had this conversation in a timely manner, but on the, I have occasionally been asked where it was almost like I imposed a decision on Mark and those folks, I just don't entertain like to your point, Mila, it's none of your business. We came to a decision as a couple and Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that these questions haven't, haven't been answered to a man. Exactly. That's what I wanted to say. So that's one. And people don't ask this to people who have children. Yeah. Yeah, So for example, and now did you have children? So yeah. Did you decide this together or was it just your decision not to take whatever birth control you were taking? Or uh, can you just imagine that discussion? sitting at a dining table obviously my favorite context sitting at a dining table going so so yeah what was it like actually how did you guys reach that decision that there was going to be a baby no just go and mind your own business no no (laughs) it's choices folks it's choices all right so this looks like it's a good time for us to go into our did you know segment 
And this is a segment where we bring up topics or issues that are important, timely, or deeply connected to what we're talking about on the podcast. So for today's Did You Know, we wanted to explore the stages of psychosocial development introduced by Eric Erickson. And before our listeners turn off the podcast out of concern that they're going to be bored about this, hang in there because this is good stuff. Erickson believed that personality develops in a predetermined order through eight stages of psychosocial development from infancy to adulthood. And in each stage, a person experiences a psychosocial crisis, which could have a positive or negative outcome for personality development. He felt that these crises involved the psychological needs of the individual conflicting with the needs of society. A bit about what we're talking about on today's podcast. And successful completion of each stage results in a healthy personality and the acquisition of basic virtues to tackle subsequent crises. So the eight virtues to acquire are in the following order. Hope, will, purpose, competency, fidelity, love, care, and wisdom. And we're sharing this today because the stage that helps you gain the basic virtue of care is the crisis called generativity versus stagnation and generally happens from the ages of 40 to 60. And so psychologically, generativity refers to making your mark on the world through creating or nurturing things that will outlast an individual. And in the absence of doing so, we become stagnant, we feel unproductive, might feel disconnected or uninvolved. And so one of the ways that people fulfill generativity is by having and raising children. That's how people feel like they've left their mark on the world because they've left a piece of them behind through their children. But it's not the only way for individuals to successfully tackle this crisis. And many make their mark through contributions at work, to their community, organizations, the arts, whether they're involved in the arts or whether they actually are an artist mentoring, and things that give us a sense of being a part of a bigger picture and contributing to the world beyond us. So I'm curious, have any of the three of you heard of this um, model before in the eight stages? And whether you have or not, I'm curious what your thoughts are, your reaction to this, specifically this one about generativity versus stagnation. So I've never heard this, which I did take psychology. I don't remember it. I think it's interesting. And I do believe that everyone should have a purpose for sh- and make their mark on the world. I think I just believe that could be through raising kids or not. Yeah. I think like identifying your purpose as raising kids is the is like an easy identification. Women have yeah. been trained for decades that that is our purpose. So I do think for child-free women in this age group you do have to do more like soul searching and thinking about, okay, I chose not to have kids. So then what, what is my purpose going to be? And I, I do think it, it could be harder. I'm not saying harder than raising kids, but harder to identify your purpose. But again, I just, I believe there's so many paths women can take in their lives and having kids is one that is very fulfilling and purposeful for a lot of women. And that's great. Yeah. For others of us, the world is our oyster. We choose yeah. other things. Yep. Yeah. What is interesting for me is these terms of generativity or making your mark. It is actually being, it's described that it's happening between 40 and 65. And then the timing when women have been 
traditionally or before having babies or deciding that you need to make your mark is in their 20s. It's an earlier stage. It's in their it's fidelity. An earlier stage. Yeah. 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 And then, and this is very interesting because for me, it is that society had been deciding that this making your mark or generativity a stage is, is being imposed in women from what I'm reading from this article. And it's actually very interesting. I've never seen it before. But yeah, I think that the making your mark has to do with how you want to be maybe perceive or remember or that your life had a purpose, but not necessarily has to be a, a huge contribution. It could be that somebody remembers you. Yeah. Well, and, and it's and, internal. It's yeah. a, a lot of this is internal. So what yeah. you were just describing, Mila, that is the crisis, right? Because society has said, having children is how you're going to leave your mark. Yeah. And so for those of us that are pushing back on kind of societal norms, that's the kind of the wrestling that we're doing to say, how am I leaving my mark on the world? And I don't know, like for me personally, I've been a mentor to through most of my pro professional career. I've coached, I've taught, like I've so much, I think because of how I'm wired for learning and teaching, I feel like I've been sprinkling knowledge and wisdom and support and things throughout my whole life. I'm good. I feel like I don't have to have a human that came from me to be able to do that. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's just so many other ways. And to what you just said, right? Like even just the littlest thing, like I dropped one seed and I'm hoping it grows thing, but yeah. Yeah. So that's our, did you know, for those of you we will put the link out there. If you want to go get your psychology on and go do a little exploring about Eric Erickson <laughs> and that model, it, it is interesting. Uh, and for those of you that are parents, I encourage you to especially go read about the first couple stages because you can mess it all up. So just to add to your burden <laughs> of being a parent, go check it out um, so you can find out how you can help us set your children up for success. Anyway, it's a very interesting article. So we'll put it on the podcast notes. Okay, so we are on the last part of our conversation. And for this, we would like to explore the so what and what needs to change. Maybe we can divide these into a few categories and each share our personal point of view on what could be done or be different to change for the better. So let's first talk about the macro issues and actions that could be taken. So for example, women who chose not to have children because society just makes it too hard to be worth it. Cost of childcare, parental leave policies, the impact to women and their careers, etc. So that is one of the macro issues. Then- well uh, yeah. I was going to say that actually, that one makes me sad because it, it's, it is women who really do want to have kids, but, but they're really worried about having the support and the resources and the systems to be successful at it. And that to me is a huge shame because I, I, while I did not have the drive and the yearning and the need to be a mother for those who really do, but they're making the choice not to, because of just what the world does or doesn't do to help them be successful at it. Just that actually, to me, a lot of that can be addressed through policy and making it a conversation. And I'm going to 
the one that always drives me nutty is maternity leave versus paternity leave and just having parental leave. Why do we not give, and and I'm speaking from a US perspective, right? In this, because I know that there's policies in other countries that are a, a bit more progressive. But the fact that if a father can't even get time off for a newborn, it's pretty limited. Um, unless you happen to work for a company that's very family forward and looks at parental leave, regardless of whether you're the mother or the father, then that's just one policy that would potentially give a woman a boost if, and that's saying if she has a partner. So that one, that one makes me sad because it makes me feel like as a society, we're letting down women who really want to do this. Definitely. World according Definitely. to Katie. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I agree with that. So I, but I'm curious, right? We sit in two different countries with different policies and perhaps different things. I I am just curious, this is US versus Netherlands on this conversation, but, but what, what would you all like to see out there? I, I'm definitely, when we have a podcast with mothers (laughs) or with women who are aspiring to be mothers, then, you know, I want to ask this question again, but I am just curious what you all feel like from a policy perspective would make a different situation? Yeah, so what I think in the Netherlands, but also in the more like in the Scandinavian countries and cultures, it's normal that having children is a family affair, so of mom and dad. So it would be very welcome, I think, to parents if both parents were supported through this whole phase of either conception or becoming pregnant because for some people that's not a natural easy process in which they might need support but also throughout the whole phase of when the children are growing up and across the board not just the time when a woman is pregnant and after but also the way they deal with careers for example there are some companies who just have a career pause for women so that they can focus on raising their children and I hope that these organizations will also have this for men soon and then After a certain age, when the children go to school, they are boosted back again in their career if that's what they want. So I really think that's a very inspiring way of supporting parents. But I really think that should be like it works on both sides of the coin. And I say that for single parents as well, too. But that's for parents. That's two parent home, single parent home. There's just there's things from that perspective. I have something you said you have actually prompted. I have a friend who is one, I hope you're listening to the podcast because you'll know this is about you, but who is thinking about, she's really passionate about trying to find resources or do something that is supporting women postpartum because a lot of resources are available while you're pregnant. But then once you have the baby, everything focuses on the baby and not the mom anymore. And I think about that as far as resources as well. And for working mothers, how they get to ease back into the workplace and all of those different things. Yeah, because yeah, I and I fully just this weekend, we had a discussion with friends and they said, it's so strange that you go to school and you learn about so many things that you don't need in life, but nobody teaches you how to become a parent and how to be good at it. That's one. And two, nobody prepares you for the impact it has on your life, not on the, ch- on the child's life. So I fully yeah. agree. The world needs that because being a parent is hard. I think, again, it all to me comes down to gender equality. And until we really tackle that, none of this other support for parents yeah. or child-free people is ever going to get any better. Yeah. Yeah. I, one, totally. one thing... 
Yeah. One thing that I, I think works very well here in the Netherlands is that there is a good system for part-time work. And there are a lot of people that work four days and that is considered part-time. Basically, both women and men do it and they have a, just a regular position in a company and they work four days. And that allows people to have time with their children. Uh, and they generally spend either one day, one day and a half with the kids, and then they do it both parents. So I have friends that are uh, doing that, and then they work four days. He works four days and she works four days. So they spend two days with the kid at home, and then the, the other three days, the kid goes to, to kindergarten. So I think that is helpful because there are companies that support that let's say, modality of work here. So then people can still have their careers and then they have their family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, Mila, you and I definitely need to repeat this question on a podcast that we have with mothers too, because right, we're looking at it right now in this episode on, so some women are choosing not to have children because these support systems aren't in place. Then the women that did choose to have children, what could have made... Like this needed to change. I, I navigated it, but this needed to change from that perspective. Let's take it down the so what a bit more micro. Um, and, and this is looking at where we and our listeners could take individual actions to create a more inclusive and accepting environment. So first, plain and simple, what we want to put out there is, and I say we, Mila and I, Laura and Genevieve, you can let us know if you agree with us, is... Our choice to not have children has nothing to do with your personal choice to have children. It's not a judgment. It's not an indictment. It's not a snub or all the other things that we often get accused for. It was our personal choice of how we wanted to navigate our lives. We celebrate your choice to choose yes. a different. So yes. I just want to put that out <laughs> from that perspective. And second, in return, we ask you to refrain from trying to analyze, dissect, and investigate all the reasons we made that choice. To what Laura and Genevieve have said before is, what if we flip the questions back to you, that's just not the norm. People don't question the choice to have children. And this is world according to Katie. We don't owe you an explanation, just like you don't owe us one for choosing to have children. And, and don't assume that our choice means there's something wrong with us either. Okay. Yeah, they Go for it, Mila. <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted I wanted to add here is sometimes you are actually don't know what is behind uh, that, and then might be some people that actually tried to have children and couldn't. Yep. had many miscarriages, uh, were sexually assaulted. You don't know. So then, for us, we have dealt with it, and then we uh, decided to answer very frankly. But there are some people that actually you can be hurting if you are asking this question because it could be loaded, and yeah. it's not at your business. Yeah. So let me. So let's just put that out there. What is our ask? What would we ask others around? Whether it's individuals that have had children or not had children, the, we talked earlier about the questions and the assumptions we get. What is our ask to people? What could they do to make it a more inclusive environment? I think it's to the earlier statistics, it is becoming a new thing for us to come out and say, I chose to be child free and it was a choice I made and it's a choice I embrace. That is fortunately starting to become more of the norm. 
but it has not been that way. And there's still a long way to go. So what could people do to create an environment that would allow for that to happen more often for other women like ourselves to feel more supported in their choice? For me, that would be stop pretending that I'm putting my talent or my uterus to waste by not having children. (laughs) Don't make me feel like a failure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll pile on to that and something Milo was saying earlier of just when you, if you're raising a daughter or a son, but especially a daughter or you're mentoring or being an aunt to a young girl, I think it's really important not to share the message either overtly or not that the path is motherhood because then young girls start to think about their, their self-worth just gets wrapped up in that message. Of, yeah. Yeah. If I'm not a mom, either if I choose not to, or like Mila was saying, if I can't, then you start to have a lot of self-doubts. It weighs on your self-esteem and it's just, it's really unhealthy. And I think it's also really limiting. Yes. There are tons of working mothers who are very successful, but like we just talked about, it is very hard because our policies don't make it easy. And women can be so many things. They can be moms or they can have other career paths. And I don't think we teach our girls that enough and not only teach it to them, but really normalize it in our society. Yeah. So I would just ask that, you know, people make it more normal and talk about it more freely and are just like more honest with each other. And by the way, it can be an and too, but that's where our conversation about policies and practices and things that support people to be able to do that become even more critical from that perspective. I think it's huge. It's huge. And if you do look at your Erickson link that we're going to put in there, all that happens between ages three to 11. So, so it's the toys you give children, it's the media you put in front of them, all sorts of things. I think that's Mm -hmm. huge. Yep. What else? Mila, anything from you? No, I think that 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 respect and listen. I I think that sometimes, as I said before, there is a still a lot of poking, like why, but why? And it is just there is a moment that you just have to respect everybody else's decisions and then where they are in their lives, and then that they have they can have a fulfilled life without having children. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is for me the most important thing because somehow I got this comment a while ago, oh, but are you married? I said, no, oh, don't you worry. And I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. What's behind you know? that? <laughs> What's behind that? I don't, I'm not worried. Why should I be worried? And then the other thing that there is also something that we haven't discussed, but we have to, to also maybe appreciate is that there are also women that don't want to have a, a male partner, or then there are uh, some trans women that also cannot have a child themselves. So there are a lot of people that are choosing to live their lives in a way, and we have to respect the thing. The advice I would ask to, to what Mila is talking about is think before you ask the question, I guess my ask yourself why you need to ask the question. And if your answer is for anything other than I really want to get to know Katie better, or I think she might've chosen to be child-free and I'm on this journey myself. And I'd like to seek some advice. If it is something other than that, (laughs) then 
question whether you need to ask the question because it's just a different life choice that somebody made. So what, I mean, and actually to that point, what advice would we give to others that are actually on the journey that the four of us have been on making a decision as to whether they want to have children or not, whether that is an imminent choice or whether that is a a younger woman who is, is thinking about the path in front of her, what advice would we give those folks? So I would say to honor that space. So when you are making that decision, take the time to listen to yourself, to look within, decide if having kids is a good decision for yourself or not. And if it is great, go for it. (laughs) But if you think it's not really take that to heart and take the time to truly think about if it's something you want to do. And just know that if you decide not to, like your life can be totally fun and fulfilling as it is for me. And it sounds like the rest of us on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just listen to yourself. Uh, I would also add decide out of love and not out of fear. So decide out of love for what you want to do in your life and not out of fear of what you might not have. Yeah. Yeah. G, what were you going to say? Yeah, I wanted to add to Laura and both Amila and I was, if you have decided, it doesn't mean that you have to stick to it. So that's one. So love yourself and be patient with yourself in your decision and Find your own support system to support you through your through carrying this decision. And that might be parents or friends, family, or a partner. And just and then own the space that Laura says. Own it. Celebrate it. And talking about it helps other people in their process as well. No, for yeah. sure. I was quite worried about talking to my parents after my brother passed away because to me I felt like I was taking something away from them as well as not making that choice. And I'm just, I'm fortunate in that my parents were very, no, we've lived our lives. We've raised our children. This is your choice to make. I I also understand that's not the response some people get. So I think my, I I absolutely relate. So my, especially my mom, I felt like I've let, I let my mom down so much, especially since she had made that sacrifice for us, as I mentioned earlier. And she, from the beginning, said, my darling, whatever makes you happy. And And of course, the mom always says that, probably. I don't know. That's what we always see in the movies. But I'm very grateful for her that she gave me that reaction and that support. Yeah. 100% agree, because I have a lot of friends that did not have that support. My parents were the, the same way, just whatever makes you happy, which I'm eternally grateful for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think then my, you know, part of my advice might be like, you might be surprised, you might get the support that that you didn't think you would get. But I think the other thing that I would give as an as advice is, you may not get the support, you're going to get asked these questions that we've been talking about, hopefully that will become less, but you're going to get asked them, people are going to question your decision. And I think the advice I would have for people is, just know how you want to respond to them. And it's your choice how you want to respond to them. I, you know, I'm sure this will surprise nobody that has been listening to the podcast. I just tackle it head on (laughs) with my very bold approach. For other folks, you may want to choose to not engage in that conversation. This is a personal decision by myself and I I choose not to discuss it or you may want to deflect it. But I think the thing I would say is just know you're going to get asked 
I know you're going to get pushed. And what are you comfortable sharing? And what are you not comfortable sharing? And for those of you that are comfortable, the more that we talk, the more it's going to normalize this choice for women to make, women and couples to make. What is uh, weird to me is that I think back is that I, every time that I was asked this question, it was from people that were not close to me. So people that were closer to me, they never asked a question. And in a way, it was a non-issue. It was not a discussion to be had. And it was never like, okay, are you going to have kids? Or you are turning 40 now. Are you going to have kids? It was never that conversation. And I don't know if it was from an, you know, avoiding the subject or from thinking that it was going to be a touchy subject or to just understanding that I had a full life and it was not necessary, but it was always people that were not really close, which it made it interesting as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I know what part you love of the podcast. <laughs> we're going to our, it doesn't all suck segment. <laughs> so thank you everyone for, for sharing uh, your suggestions and your thoughts. Uh, and for this episode of it doesn't all suck, we want to share the story of Claire a woman of 43 years old, and Chrissy, 73 years old, who both live in London. Claire and Chrissy met South London Cares, a charity that tackles loneliness and isolation by bringing older and younger neighbors together. So this is a little bit of what we were talking about before, about the good (laughs) karma. So within a few months of knowing each other, they both said they felt like old friends crying and laughing over the same jokes. Claire and Chrissy are just one example of the friendships that have blossomed through similar organizations connecting the generations. The stories are just lovely of what the individuals learn from each other, and it keeps retired and older people connected and engaged and feeling valued. I remember, Genevieve, that we talk about like an adopted grandpa kind of thing when we were doing Think. Yes. Uh, this, is a little, <laughs> this is a little bit of that. We discovered this article in Positive News Magazine, and we'll share that in the podcast notes as well. But we thought that it was a great item to share for it doesn't all suck, because so often one of the concerns placed on individuals is who choose to be child-free is who will take care of you when you are older, as we discussed earlier today, or when you feel lonely. And the truth is that for many of those, we know we have to build family and connections in different ways. And this is one of the ways because you have children, as we said before, it doesn't guarantee that you are going to have somebody to take care of you or keep company when you're older. So organizations like these are super valuable to provide another way for all of us to stay connected, no matter what age we are. So this, we thought it was a great and appropriate. I'm totally doing this because yes. I try to be an early adopter with technology and new ways of doing things. But I actually believe this is going to be the way that when I'm 88 years old, that I can still engage with everything around me because I have a, a, a mentor who can help navigate all the newfangled gadgetry <laughs> that I won't be able to know about. So I love it. I love it. All right, everybody, that is it for our conversation on choosing to be child free. We are looking forward to comments 
guests on the podcast through social media, but also through the hive. Having had this discussion and sharing our own experiences, again, we just want to highlight to our listeners that we are happy with our choices and respect your choices as well. The one thing that we want to highlight in this episode, and Mila had brought this up before, is that the choices we make about having or not having children and the journey we have related to um, that decision is quite personal. And the asking about why, when, why not related to those choices is not necessarily anyone else's business than the individuals involved in that decision. And some women might have wanted children and couldn't have them. Others might have wanted children and didn't have the opportunity or the partner or the means or time went by and they didn't have them. Some women still have the yearning for children and some are totally happy being child-free. And some might have left the decision to fate, but they're okay with whatever way the the world shakes out. So regardless, everyone has their own story and we have to respect that and not judge anyone for their own decisions or circumstances. We should be asking why has society made women's relationship status choices about having children? And if so, how many choices about our body in general, an issue that others feel they have the right to impose their biases on to begin with. And when we get to the root of that, and to like Laura said, we get to the root of gender inequality, we'll be able to actually start making some meaningful change around this topic. So this leads us to our ask. For this episode's ask, we want you to do a little journaling. Fill in the blank on this statement. I stand by my decision to have made my life choice to blank. Then journal why you do. This exercise is to do some self-affirmation of the tough choices we often make throughout our life. This doesn't need to be about children. This is about any life choice. Choices about the school, relationships, work, the location and place you live, buying something, breaking up with someone, you name it. It's all relative to you. So that's it for this episode of the House of Apis podcast. We want to give a big thank you to our two guests, Genevieve and Laura, for joining us today and for sharing their very personal stories. Um, We know that these are personal decisions and we're really very honored that you were willing to share them with our audience. Any final words or goodbyes to our uh, audience before we close up? Yeah, um, I like this podcast and just meeting you all and being invited to this is one of the reasons life is just awesome. I loved meeting you all. This was super fun. Hope we keep in touch in some way. For um, sure. Yeah. So again, thanks for having me. And I loved learning about your all's journeys too. So cheers to child free. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Great. Genevieve. Thank you so much for putting this subject on the agenda and also bringing it with love and lightness. And I hope that this is just a conversation starter for so many other people who are either struggling with this choice or coming out. Lots of wisdom and love to to you all. And thank you for having uh, me on the show. And Laura, it's great meeting you. (laughs) Yeah, likewise. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. And and we are very happy that you join us to talk about this topic and to have other points of view. And I love that we called this episode child free and not child less because that, and that was a choice that we made because people sometimes uh, put it as childless being something that you are missing and we're actually child free because it's something that we chose. So that is our journey. That doesn't mean that is the journey of all the women that decided not to have children, but that's our journey. And so thank you everybody for listening. In the meantime, please join the House of Apis on social media. And check out our 
fully feature official websites with lots of new content. Yes, <laughs> at www.houseofappies.com, where you can also join our close online community for the House of Happy family, something that we're calling The Hive. We'll be taking a short break over the end of the year, but we'll be back with new episodes in 2022. So make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know about season two. In the meantime, we'll be sharing some outtakes, bonus content, and stories that didn't make the original episodes because we tend to talk too long and uh, we have some uh, really good outtakes. So until next time, as always, good morning from Seattle. And good evening from Amsterdam. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>